Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Narsen. Here is our World Championships preview. You'll have to forgive us. We're coming to you pretty much after it's already started, but uh, it's condensed season. It's a condensed schedule, and uh, we still got to get it out. The women's individual time trial is taking place as we speak. Chloe Diger, Brent Auer, and co. haven't rolled off yet. It's about two-thirds of the way through. We'll still talk about our picks because we're not looking at the results. Uh, maybe at the end, We'll do the TTs at the end of the pod, men's and women's TTs, and the, we're going to start with the men's road race, then do the women's road race uh, second. And, yeah, we're going to intro the, the route, parkour, the favourites, strongest teams, what we think tactically might be the best options for various teams, and yeah, try and do as full a preview as possible. How exciting has this snuck up on you, Benji? I feel like with the route change as well, it's been the kind of under the radar that the world champs is suddenly upon us, like five days after the tour finished. Yeah, I think that's indeed a bit sneaking up on us, but in the end, we're diving really hard into cycling at the moment with this podcast, and I feel like I'm pretty on on point with the current schedule of the next two, three weeks. But I do notice that when I'm talking about who's favorites for the Giro and such, that I mingle them with the people that are going to the classics. And I often forget that the classics are during the Giro, so that's impossible to ride both of them. And yeah, calendar-wise, it's really hard this season. But in the end, I don't mind it because more cycling in a condensed period I certainly like that. And with all the changes in parkour, it was a bit of a mystery where we would end up. Yeah, so I've forgotten the parkour for Martini already. I think Martini had longer climbs. That was the original location for the uh, world champs in uh, yeah before COVID hit and it wasn't possible in Switzerland. That was where the UCI where, where the UCI is based, rather, in uh, Ego Martini. But anyway, the parkour for the men's road race and women's road race is exactly the same route. Five laps for the women, I think, nine laps for the men. Men's road race, 258 kilometers, and all I'm going to say to you is Liège, Baston, Liège. That's what the betting market suggests the favorites are, or like who the favorites are for this race, are the sort of riders you'd expect at the pointy end of Liège, Baston, Liège. And I think I saw Benji, it was like 5,000 meters of climbing or something ludicrous across those 258 kilometers. No long climbs, by the way, either. Nine laps, and it's two. There's two climbs in each lap. The Mazzolano, 2.2K is at 7.1%. There's also a gradual, like, uncategorized climb before that. And then after that, they do a descent, then a very short valley, and then a second climb, the uh, Cima Galisterna, 2.3K is at 7.3%. So both of them seem to be pretty much about the same distance, but a different sort of gradient. So the first climb in Mazzolano, is steep at the start, then flattens out, and it's pretty much almost a plateau at the end. The last K is only 3.5%. That's the first climb. The second climb in each lap, the Galisterna, is 3.8%, 2.9%, about 3% for the first K, and then 
very steep, 12%, then 11.3%, so about 11.7% for the middle kilometre, and then it flattens out a little bit, 5% for the last 500 metres. So it's a hard circuit uh, starting and finishing in Imola. I'm pretty sure that's where it's an F1 circuit or something like that. I should know that as a recent F1 fan. Um, after watching Drive to Survive, Cycling could learn a thing or two. But, yeah, hard circuit, Benji. What do you think? Do you think it's too hard? Do you think it's? Do you think this is unfairly, like when they make a route like this, does it limit too much the sort of riders that can actually win to maybe five riders rather than a, a random winner that we saw at Yorkshire last? Well, not a random winner, Mads Pedersen, fantastic rider, but he was still over hundred to one to win. So, do you think this sort of route is too difficult? I don't think so. Um, I think that the original route in Martini was actually harder. And it was by Nibali and Sajjan named the hardest route the World Championship has seen in ages. And generally looking at this sparkle, it seems a tiny bit easier than that. But obviously, I don't need to ride it. So I can safely say it's easy from my computer here. So that's uh, an unfair statement, really. It's a rough sparkle. I don't think it really condenses the amount of people that can win this to five people. There's quite a few riders that are dark horses to me and could do very well here that are not necessarily in the top 10 favorites so we're gonna go over them in a second here but yeah i've got quite a few outsiders that could really play an important role here yeah so obviously mads Pedersen, i mentioned him he's not even participating he's not he's not gonna be able to defend his uh, world champs jersey i would like to just say at this point i think it's a real shame Pedersen, not really anyone's fault but still a real shame that he wasn't able to wear that world champs jersey in the Ronde von Flandern and Paris-Roubaix and the classics. Um, yeah, just a shame. He did obviously great work in Tour de France, but would have been fantastic to see the young Dane wearing that in uh, his his races where he'd be the team leader for Trek Segafredo. But let's go through a few of the favourites in the men's race. And first on the, the um, sheet is Wout van Aert, the man of the moment from the Tour de France, backing up straight away from the Tour. He's first favourite. Now, we're... Not suggesting these are the odds we'd select, but these are just what the market is saying the uh, favourites are for this race. Um, and it's an easy way to frame the discussion that way. But Van Aert has been given about a 22% chance of winning world champs. Maybe it really, and then Alaphilippe is about 15 to 16%. He's second favourite. Fulsang, maybe about ooh, 11, 12%. Obviously, we just won Lombardia and. Uh, did he win the Liège Bastogne in 2019? I'll just say that he did. Yes. Tadej Pogacar, the Tour de France winner, fourth on the list. He's been given about a 7% chance of winning. Mike Woods, who showed out in Liège last year too, I think attacking full, saying he's fifth favourite. Roglic, sixth favourite. Hirschi, seventh favourite. Valverde, eighth favourite. Kwiatkowski, ninth. Pid- Tom Pidcock, the British rider is uh, the 10th favourite. And then Ulusi, who had a pretty good tour of Luxembourg, I think, is about 20 to 1. It's about 5% chance of winning. Schuckman there, Dumoulin, Nibali, Michael Matthews, Carapaz, Kous. And then we're getting into the real long shots with uh, Van Avermaet, Lutsenko, Wellens, Igita, Bagioli, the quick-step Italian rider. He won a nice stage. Can't remember which stage race, one of the tune-ups. He looked really good. Danny Martinez, Uran, Richie Port, Teish Benot, and Rui Costa. But now that's another 100 to 1. So when I said that it was a pretty short market, well, there's three that are under 10 to 1 with Wout Van Aert, Alaphilippe, and Fulsang. So that, you know, they're really showing who people think will win the race. 
obviously Alaphilippe needs no introduction, nor Wild Lanart. And uh, Fulsang's already proved himself on this sort of parkour as well in Lombardia and Liège last year. But I, having said that it looks like a hard course, I'd be reluctant to go with those three, to be honest. Um, I actually think a man who's won world champs before, who's can look after himself, who looked very, very good at the end of the Tour de France. I don't. I see Mikhail Kwiatkowski being in just as good a level as Julian Alaphilippe at this point. Coming out of all these riders, four of them coming out of the Tour, even here she as well. Benji, you got and Valverde rather. I'm sorry, I just remember reminding myself. Like eight of these top ten have just finished the Tour de France, and surely we have to base our opinions, or I'm basing my opinion on how they looked in that last week of the Tour. Maybe the rest will change things, but yeah, does that affect your opinion on on these riders' chances? what we saw in the last week, particularly Valverde coming into his own? Yeah, we said it in the last week that we expect Valverde to tune up his form a bit more in this third week of the Tour de France and then move towards the World, well, the world Championships. And I feel like he's done that. This was his main first goal of the season and he is looking like he will play an important role here. But what is very important with all these teams is the fact that they've got a team behind them and that team needs to stick together and work together to try and achieve it for either a leader or one of their mates, one of their teammates. But there's a few teams that are really strong here, but there's a few teams that I'm not exactly sure if they can cooperate well to gain a victory. And therefore, I'd like to dive into uh, the teams of the favorites in a second as well. But if we look at the third week of the Tour de France, yeah, Wout van Aert is, is named the clear favorite. And the thing is, I believe he's getting a bit too much of a favorite role right now, even though we've seen Agreed that he can do everything. We, well, basically an example. This morning I opened my uh, local newspaper. It's Belgium, so probably the reason why this article even exists. But it literally said, well, we might have a historical moment with him winning two world championships in the next week, but he hasn't even won one yet. <laughs> Give him a break. Put the pressure down. Let him win one by one and let him focus on one goal by one goal. We can see if he has a time trial. We can see if he has a road race. I believe one is going to be more likely than the other. But in the end, I don't see him winning both of them. And yeah, I, I believe that it's harsh to put pressure on two races already if you don't know who, how the first one will go. So I want to keep it at a low profile. Even as a Belgian, I'm obviously supporting my nation. but. Uh, I feel like there are plenty of other people at the sideline here that have a relatively similar chance of winning due to the fact that once you've got a favorite role like Vinod, Alaphilippe, less full sang here in my honest opinion, but they're going to look at him as well. I feel like they're going to look more at Vinod and Alaphilippe because they have more of those punchy moments where they can try and launch something. Full sang will be more of an attrition fight, I would expect, towards the end of this race. And because of that, if they're watching those two riders, then I expect that a third rider could benefit off of that, get a bit of a, a gap. They would expect the team of those two riders to control the race and catch those riders. And maybe we'll have a situation where a third party rider that is in the uh, top 10 favorites or even below, like a Bagioli, because he's one of my outsiders, that he can benefit off of that situation. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Wild Van Aert's too short. And I spoke about it last year, and it reminds me of last year, like the hype around MVDP going into World Champs Road Race last year was in, was crazy. Um, he was like 3-1 to one 
before the before the race, which was way too short. With that was sort of coming off like Amstel Gold, obviously his victory there was that year in 2019. And I kind of see a similar thing happening with Wafan Art as well as the Belgian team. And you you've raised this as well separately, Benji, without me saying it. They don't really work too well together, these guys. Their team, Teichbenot, Narsen, Peter Seri, Jesper Sturven, Malvanard, Greg Van Avermaet, uh, Luik uh, Vlegen, who I think he's done actually pretty well this year so far, and Tim Wellens. We saw those guys failing to cooperate when they should have, even when they were on their trade teams in the Tour de France. But last year I put out a video uh, before the World Champs, I think it was, talking about how they should combine, for, how they could have tactically worked to roll over um, Peter Sagan and MVDP in the world champs. They they underperformed last year. Obviously, Gilbert crashed, I think, and then Evenepoel was like comforting him, etc. But it wasn't a strong showing from Belgium uh, from memory, especially when MVDP went up the road. And I kind of see a similar thing happening this year. And we'll talk about how the other teams should work tactically to, yeah, give themselves the best chance of winning. I think Van Avermaet, nice, and Sturven's good on the flat. But how useful is he going to be in a race like this? Eh, not that useful. Same with Oliver Narsen at the moment. Benoit and Wellens, probably going to be, I'd be sending them up the road, to be honest, and trying to take some pressure off Wout van Aert. I wouldn't be trying to go in and be like, we're the dominant team here. I would just be using them to, yeah, send them up the road and break so Belgium don't really have to chase and Van Aert can sit on. That's how I think they should, they should play this and, try and keep the pace as low as possible because if this comes down to a reduced bunch sprint, like Van Aert is going to be the heavy, heavy favourite um, because, yeah, even like someone like Degenkolb or Sam Bennett I see on the start list, like that ain't happening even if they go, even if they crawl over the climbs. Um, but I'll, I'll give you, yeah, Benji, do you think, am I being too harsh on Belgium or is that a, is that a known thing in Belgium? Is that discussed or is like, do the papers ever get into maybe these guys don't work too well together? I don't think the papers really dive into that too much, but in general, I do see a, um, a general feeling that we've got a good team, but they need to work together to make something happen. And I think one of the reasons that we haven't achieved too much on the road race recently, I might give a bit of a controversial statement here, but I've got the feeling that it's not always the fact that they don't work together well. I find that the tactics used by the uh, head coach of the country aren't always the greatest. And because of that, we often start races, world championships with multiple leaders in situations where one of them certainly deserves the head crown. In this situation, we've got Fanat on the start list. If you have Fanat in the team, he's your leader. That's it. He uh, he's hands down your leader. You can adapt and raise if he fails to do so, but I feel like you can't step into a race like this with Fanat in your team and have an Avamad as co-leader. Now, one of the things that might be controversial about it is the fact that our head coach is, I think, the brother-in-law of Fanavamad. So I feel like that mingles with being a fair selection of a national team. And because of that, I think you're always going to have a situation where Fanavamad is leader of the team as much as someone else in the team who is performing much better. And maybe that's a harsh statement to someone that potentially does his job well, so I don't want to accuse him of doing that on purpose. But if you've got this year, Van Avermaet is not at the level that he can be a real leader here compared to Van Avermaet. So 
if I was the head coach, I'd go for Van Aert. I'd have plenty of people surrounding him. I'd have Van Avermaet maybe as one of the last last men to actually do something. But in the end, I would go for Van Aert. And if Van Aert fails, then you can adapt mid-race to someone who is in a good position in the race. But yeah, I, f- I feel like it's going to, uh, to be weird to see them dive into this race with Van Aert just as equally leader as Van Avermaet to me, which is... An issue I have. You said, for example, that Steven might not be an important role here. I think he might be one of the most important ones on the list here, together with Siri, Benoit, and Vliegen. I'm not sure about Wellens' form. That's one of the issues I have. Oliver Nassen, he um he can climb, but I just don't know. I don't know what to expect from him. And because of that, I can't judge whether he's gonna be useful on this terrain or not. He's probably gonna be useful somewhere near the earlier parts of the race, if he can get far greater for the squad, but it's going to be pretty tough. City is one of the lads in this team, together with Vliegen, that I'm very much looking forward to see how they ride. I think they're very underrated. Peter City was second in the uh, third in the Belgian National Championships this week. And he did that after crashing out in one of the corners where he was launching away from the uh, front group with about 6k to go. Then he caught up with the chasing group. He tanked from the chasing group and then ended up sprinting to uh, second in that chasing group, so third in the race. So he's in really good form. Loic Vliegen, really underrated in my honest opinion. He's riding for... I generally don't even remember what team he's riding for. I think it's Wallonie Bussel, but I'm not sure about it. No, it's 1T these days. No, and he was pretty great at Tour de Wallonie. Yes, indeed. He was 11th at Tour de Wallonie. And he always makes these pretty good decisions where he follows the ride wheels into attacks in the last few kilometers. And his main upset so far was the fact that that group was always unable to make it to the line because the cooperation with other people wasn't great. He uh, won the Tour de Do, I think, this year. Yes. Uh, just ahead of Girmay and Parepantre. So I believe he's one of those people that are in the team that a lot of Belgians might ask, why is he in the team? Because we've got Dylan Turns and such on the sideline. But I really believe that he's one of the riders that totally deserves to be on there. So honestly, it's a strong team. they got to find a way to work together. I trust it, but... I am going to be quite skeptical if I see that there's moments where they can work together better, leading to a better result. So I'm going to judge them if it if it fails, but I will be glad as a Belgian if it doesn't. And you're missing three three important riders as well. Gilbert, Gilbert injured, and he is back racing, but I think not at a level to be in the World Champs team. And obviously, Remco Evenepoel injured. And with Remco being injured, Therese Davenens isn't in this race, which is that was the surprising omission, and that's where we're really seeing the trade team stuff and Lefebvre maybe and Quickstep affecting the Belgian selection for this race because with no uh, apparently it looks like with no Remco, then Therese Davenens, who was obviously riding as a domestique in Lombardia on the uh, oh I can't remember the second to last major climb, maybe the Gisalo before then, yeah he was setting pace for Remco. He'd be good in this race. Very useful, Dre Stevenens. Um, he's not been picked or he didn't pick himself. He said, I'm not available. So that's a little bit interesting, but that's a lot of uh, time spent talking about Belgium. Obviously, Benji's pretty happy about that. Let's go to the second favourite in his squad and pretty good team, in my opinion, actually, the French team with Alaphilippe. He's got Kenny Elisande, who looked pretty good for Trek Segafredo. He couldn't help. Really, the pointy end of races for Port, but he was still looked pretty good. Guillaume Martin, 11th on GC, Valentin Madouas, 
he was there or thereabouts getting in breakaways, very active. Rudy Mollard, Quinton Pacher, very, very active in breakaways and looked good as well. B&B Hotel, Vital Concept riders, rider and uh, Nons Patez, who won a stage in the Tour de France and Foyage du Arle Mondial. They're all, and Julien Bernard, sorry, is there as well. They're all there in support of Julien Alaphilippe, but um, very nice squad, I think. Uh, like quite a good supporting cast for Alaphilippe and he should be, yeah, I'm not sure Quickstep could put a, a squad for this. Oh, they probably could, but yeah. Do you think they're going to ride, they're all riding 100% for Alaphilippe, Benji? Do you think their tactics will be use Pacher and Niles Pitez to get them into breaks up the road? That's that's what I would do. I would send two of Madoua, Martin, Pacher and Peters, Pitez up the road. I would send two of, try and get two of that group of four up there. I'd leave Alessandre protecting Alaphilippe. He's good at that. And uh, Guillaume Martin, oh, sorry, and Rudy Mollard protecting as well, and maybe Julien Bernard. Um, I'm not really sure what his role will be. Will be exactly he's sort of a GC rider um, for Czech Segafredo. But, so yeah, that's how I would see just protect Alaphilippe and then let him loose with as much energy conserved as possible on one of the last two climbs and use those other riders to get in breaks, take pressure off pacing, and then the other two that remain or the other three or four that remain to mark moves from other riders attacking earlier. Like Fulsang, Fulsang ain't going to the line <laughs> with Wad Van Aert, so there's going to be attacks. Same with Mike Woods, same probably with Pidcock, etc. Um, so, yeah, that's that's going to be interesting how that plays out, whether Alaphilippe is going to, Hope that the race is hard enough that maybe, I mean, is it ever hard enough for Wild Up to get dropped on climbs anymore in this new world? Or is he going to back himself in a sprint against a reduced bunch? He probably would against a lot of these riders if they're not sort of the Michael Matthews types there. If it's Woods and Fulsang, Alaphilippe's going to be happy going to the line with them. If it's a group with Wild Van Aert and Co., he's going to want to attack. Um, Dumoulin's going to attack early too. For Netherlands, so yeah. Do you do you think I'm overrating that French squad, or do you think uh, they could actually have a sneaky good good team, kind of like Poland does some has in previous years? Like for Kwiatkowski, Poland had a sneaky good team and did well for him in that uh, World Champs win. I think you've had a pretty good team here, and I would say that Bernard is probably going to take up a role of Barreter in the middle of the stage somewhere because I think he's more of a uh, Barreter than a GC guy in Manastapin in for today. And because of that, I'm expecting him to be in the breakaway for sure. And in the team itself, Nals Pitez, Pasha, I'm really happy to see that Fuclair, who is the head coach, decided to go for riders that really showed themselves in the Tour de France, the most important race in their yeah their country. And Nals Pitez, Quentin, Pasha, we've got Maduas, Kelisson was pretty good in the Tour as well. Alaphilippe was a bit mad, but maybe because of the Tour de France, he can have built himself up towards a... World champs a bit more. I feel like Alaphilippe is going to be one of the uh, two riders with Van Aert that all the teams are going to be looking at for attacks on the last two hills. So I'm expecting that to be a real hard thing for them. They got to find a way to be able to control the race then. And they're going to be expected to do so quite a bit, which will probably not happen because Belgium is pretty great at controlling races that aren't necessarily needed to be controlled. So France might uh might be pretty lucky there. I agree with most of your uh, tactics actually, but I think that their main strategy is going to be use Guillaume Martin a bit early 
and respond to early attacks with Martin, maybe Julien Alaphilippe for the uh, for the final punch. But we've seen already in previous years, I think in Amstel last year, with Fulsang attacking early, Alaphilippe attacking early with him, this might become a race alike because it's going to be a war of attrition, I think. It's going to be more of a race where it's decided over who's going to survive through all these hills compared to who's going to beat them on the last hill. I don't think it's going to be just a final hill battle. I think it's going to be, we're going to see people drop throughout the whole race and there's going to be plenty of DNFs because once you've got a circuit of 28 kilometers, everybody can step over their bike that is done at the end of the circuit. So yeah, I believe that you're going to have a situation where it's going to be more of a battle over multiple climbs or multiple laps even. And not necessarily that they're all going to wait for the last climb to make a serious move. Yeah, and we should say it's not an uphill, like it's not a hilltop finish. It's like a descent, uh, gradual descent it looks like for the last 10 kilometers. So the rider that does go clear on that last climb, are they going to be able to hold it to the line? Um, someone like Wow Planner, obviously yes, but maybe a pure climber, no. Um, the third strongest team and We've got to talk about them, how they've <laughs> they've just taken the world of cycling by storm. Slovenia. Slovenia looked to me like they have the third strongest team. Maybe um, discounting Germany a little bit, uh, but I don't think so. They've got Jani Brakovic, who will be familiar to you all, the veteran. Luka Mezgetz, who looked magic at the Tour de France, two second places on stages. Domin Novak, Luka Pebernik, Tare Pogacar, the Tour de France winner, his UAE Lieutenant Jan Polance, Jan Kratnik, uh, who's obviously a pretty strong rider for Byron McLaren, good time trials, decent sprint, and Primoz Roglic, the second place in the Tour de France. And they're both ooh, top top six favourites. Pagacha's fourth favourite. Roglic looks like he's sixth favourite. What an incredibly strong team Slovenia are taking to this world champs. Obviously, Roglic and Pagacha have never won a one-day race of this caliber, they've never won a monument or or Fletcher. Obviously, Roglic has destroyed a lot of Fletcher? those Italian semi. Fletcher, Fletcher, Fletcher <laughs> Fletch but it was funny how you pronounce it. it. Was like Italian. Sorry, keep up. <laughs> it's Fletcher now. I'm moving the race to Italy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, Roglic has never. Yeah, they maybe. Yeah, they're new. Pagacha's obviously just come into the World Tour in the last two years, and Roglic is, as well is pretty new as well, but. Yeah, he's won Trey Valivarsin, Primoz Roglic, um, but Bogacha, I wouldn't count him out of doing anything. Fourth favourite, I think. I know he came like top top 12 in MSR. Um, yeah, 12th in MSR, 13th at Strada Bianca. And, and I don't know. I feel like I feel like that's a little bit short, fourth favourite. Um, the team he's got there, it's a pretty strong team, but... DNF Amstel Gold last year, 53rd at uh, La Fleche Wallonne, 18th in Liège, Baston Liège. He's probably still a different rider and improved from last year, from 21 to 22. We saw that in the Tour, but yeah, how exhausted will he be coming off the Tour de France? What will their tactics be? Like, who, who's their, who are they riding for, Benji? Or are they just going to keep them safe and just tell them, okay, you or Tare or Primoz? Just follow Van Aert or Alaphilippe on whenever they go and see see how you go. I think that it's going to be a cooperation between those two leaders. Compared to Belgium, you've got one rider where it's 
well, clearly he's a favorite for not. But in this team, yeah, you've got Pogacar, you've got Roglic, two of the riders that have amazing watts in 10-minute in efforts. And on these hills, that is going to matter as well. What I feel this team has is two leaders, and then there's limited help behind that. You've got a Polans who's going to be pretty important, but Domanovak was Slovenian champion, I think, last year or two years ago, one of them. I believe he hasn't done much all season now. I think he got DNS or DNF at Strade, I think. I saw him on that list a few months ago. A month ago? Oh my god, Strade was so close. Anyway, uh, I think he hasn't really done much in the Italian Classics, so I'm not expecting too much from a Domanovak. He was a decent climber in the past, but I feel like he's He's turned it down a little this year, and I think he transferred outside of Bahrain, but I'm not sure about it. Look up, Ibernik. We know him from uh, one moment in his history where he celebrated around early in the Vuelta, so let's hope he doesn't do that here. But I don't think he's going to be there one round from the finish anymore. Don't believe he's good enough. Mijani Brajkovic, when he's not complaining on Twitter, he's, uh, he's actually a decent climber, so I'm expecting him to be up there towards the end of the race. So... I'm looking forward to seeing him, seeing him up there. Jan Trotnik can do stuff. I'm not sure how long he can last. These are punchy climbs, and I think that will hurt Trotnik more than, for example, a rider that has more punch in them and that can handle these steeper bugs a bit more. Yeah, Roglic Pogacar, that's going to be a duo. And I, I'm wondering if they can work together well. I think they're going to be working together pretty well, and they're going to... Uh, want to get Slovenia's first world champion, which is, I think, a goal of both of them. Pogacar has his Tour de France. Roglic doesn't have anything yet. Would be uh, great for both of them, for Pogacar's guilt of keeping his, uh, well, taking away the yellow jersey from his uh, his countrymen, and for Roglic to uh, replenish his, uh, his mental strength. Here. So I believe that they're a strong team, but it's mainly because two riders are the spear point of it. Not really a really well-formed all-round team, I'd say. Yeah, that's that's a fair assessment. Obviously, Spain, they'll be riding, I think, for Alejandro Valverde, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm looking on this list. Enric Mas, Marc Soler, Mikel Lander, Peo Bilbao, Luis Leon Sanchez, David de la Cruz, Hazel Serrada. That's a not as... Valverde's not the level probably of Roglic or... Pagacha, but that is a stronger team than the Slovenian team. Um, like Hazel Serrata, for example, can get into breaks. Dela Cruz looked actually pretty good in places for Pagacha in when it was going full gas in the Tour de France. Uh, Peo Bilbao, the same for Bahrain McLaren. He even got it in a break, and yeah, he got dropped by Carapaz, but he'd done good work this stage before for Bahrain. Soler, the road not very smart, but still had good watts. At the tour, Mars came fifth, Lander came fourth. It's it's a pretty good squad, except they're really when it comes down to it and everyone attacks on that final climb, all these riders are just kind of good. And there's only one that can really go with the big guns, in my view, and that's Valverde. He hasn't he hasn't shown the punch that he has had in previous years. I know he looked better in the tour, but I don't think Valverde is going to be competing for top five, though contesting it really in this year's World Champs. Um, maybe that'll come back to bite me and the 48-year-old will will take out the W like in 2018. But if it's a sort of race where Roglic and co are up there and rather than Wild Van Aert and it's a reduced bunch sprint, 
or over the final climb. I just don't see him being able to beat them in a in a sprint. But hey, it's world champs. You never know with uh, Alejandro Valverde. On to Colombia, and I just want to give a dark horse and not talk about their team too much, but one of my dark horses for, for the world champs, I think he's like 500 to 1, Sergio Anal, second in flesh for Lon many years ago, I think, and looked pretty good in Torreno, I think. And, yeah, he's probably not going to win, but he could win. Like, I think he is capable of winning or coming top three in this world champs. World champs, weird things can happen. If you look at the sort of top 10 list across the years and you're like, oh, geez, really? They came top 10 like multiple years in a row? I think Sergio and Al can do pretty well on this sort of parkour. Uh, who, who's one of your dark horses, Benji? In Colombia or outside of them? Because I've got anyone, a few anyone. outside of them. I would, first of all, like to show our attention towards the Italian team. Does not have the final list yet, I think, of the people that are going to ride it. They uh, enjoy selecting their riders on the moment, on the spot, which is kind of weird because I'm expecting them to just go to, for example, a, um, a Nicola Conchi and basically say, well, sorry that you came to Imola, mate, but you can go home now, <laughs> which is kind of sad. I don't know how that works, but just feels like it's a bit unfair towards those riders. Getting on the pre-selection is something and you get your confirmation before the race actually happens. That would be great, but if you decided on the spot, it's kind of lame in my honest opinion. But that's maybe just me. On this list, we've got a few riders that can do everything in this race without you expecting it. And what I mean with that is, well, the rider I expect the least of as leader here is probably their leader, which is Vincenzo Nibali. I, as a very big Nibali stan and fan, I, um, I believe that any race he starts, he has an opportunity of winning. If he comes into the right situation. I have a really hard time figuring out how he's going to do it this year because in Tirena, who was much weaker than he is usually in his preparation races, he's usually not great in his preparation races, but this is a really small amount of days between Tirena and this world championship. So I'm a bit unsure how you can really manage to get into a decent form for this and be able to properly contend in this race after that Tireno. But you never know. Never count out the shark. He can dive into that descent like a maniac. But outside of him, my dark horse, Andrea Bagioli, or at least one of my dark horses, because he's won a stage in Copiavartali, and I think some other stage in the season as well. And I can name them right now. Uh, the first stage of Tudelin? No. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct, right? Yes, that is correct. I remember now. He won that in a bit of yeah, a surprise uh, winner. Yeah, indeed. A surprise punchy sprint against Roglic Bisiga. And that's the one Dumoulin actually pulled Roglic to, uh, towards the sprint in the end. So there were quite a few unknown names in that top 10 in the form of like Giacomo Garavaglia and Eric Fetter of Cometa, who are probably going to be pretty good guys in the future if they can continue their growth. But going back to the World Championships, Andrea Bagioli, he's got that punch. He can get over the hills. I think he's going to get a top. I think I think he can genuinely top three this race if he gets into the right situation. Oof. I genuinely believe that he is one of the highest highest odd dark horses on this list. And yeah, what is what is your take on Bagiola? Do you believe that he can do something? After that, I'll I'll name some of my other dark horses. Oh yeah, I think he 
when he won that uh, stage ahead of Roglic, I was like, this is a man who's going to, in 2021, he'll be competing for top five in uh, Flesh Fallon and, and Liege best on Liege. So why not now? Um, uh, he seemed to be carried that form through in uh, the smaller Italian races. What was it? Uh, Settimani Internazionale Coppia Bartoli. So he came second on GC there, won, two, uh, won one stage, one was a TTT. Um, yeah, he looks in great form. This is a, a parkour that's suited for him. Why not now? Why not before we expect him to to do well? You know, Italy got Betiol, Brambilla. It isn't the final team. I expect them. They should take Matteo Fabro. He looked pretty good in Torreno. Um, Diego Ulissi, they have to take, obviously. he. I think he's like a top 10 favourite. He did well at Luxembourg, looking in pretty good form. Just a really underrated, consistent rider. But do I think he can win? No. Uh, other, sorry, I'll let you go back to your dark horses, Benji. George Bennett, though, speaking of other Italian tune-up races, he won Grand Piemonte, second in Lombardia. George Bennett will be riding for New Zealand, but I, I didn't like the form we saw out of him in Tour de France. He said he wasn't having a good time there either, and I don't expect him to be back in that level of form. But who, who's your other dark picks, dark horses, rather? I'll use the Ulysses segue because I, uh, I'll jump into a... Uh... A rider that does great in similar races. They both do great in Quebec and such. But I believe that Michael Matches is one of my dark horses. And it's one of the first names I named when I saw him ride in Tireno like a mad lad on, I think, the third stage, which had a rather massive climb with about 30 kilometers to go. He went over that, beat the likes of Carretero, and so dropped them in that ascension and got away in the breakaway there. He uh, then got taken back by a storming peloton, but he was a breakaway rider that day, which was fun to see. And I feel like he might have done that with the world champs in mind. And yeah, it's one of his dreams to win the world championships. And I believe that with this who he has a real opportunity of doing it. But just like Ulisi, he needs the race to fold in a certain way. We can't expect matches to attack away on the final ascension. He has to be with the people that are attacking and try and stick to the real punches to try and survive that. I believe he can do that, but it it, ha- it needs so many puzzle pieces to fit together to have it happen, but he's certainly on my dark horse list. Dark horse list, well. <laughs> dark horse list. We're not editing that out. Who is the only man to ever hold Philip Gilbert's wheel when he attacked on the Cowberg in the last 10 years? One man. Michael Matthews. Michael Matthews in Amstel Gold. Did he do it again as well? No, I'm ignoring that. I don't think he did. (laughs) But even if he did, it doesn't count. Michael Matthews is in the form of his career climbing-wise. He's lost, I think he's the lightest of his career, under 70 kilos. Uh, He's climbing well at Terreno. He looked good at MSR considering he lost half the skin off his right hand, still managed to come third behind the two top favourites for this race, Alaphilippe and Wild Van Aert. He looks in fantastic form. He's got Simon Clark, the EF rider, who is really good in races like this. I think Clark will be – he's a fantastic addition on this team for the Australian team. Uh, Richie Port, pretty sure he's riding the race as well. He, uh, Him and Jai Hindley, good climbers, obviously. So I don't know what their strategy will be. I think it will be just 100% try and protect Matthews. I think that's the best way. The, the best way for the Australian team to get the W. I just can't see any of the other riders actually winning the race. Um, but, yeah, they, they actually do have the climbers to support Matthews. 
and maybe bring back some attacks. Um, I think Chris Hamilton's riding as well, House and obviously the the general. I assume that's the full team I'm looking at or the final team. Yeah, I think Matthews can win. I think his odds at 50-1 to or whatever they are, um, I'll be betting on him. So I'll just say that up front and that's because you never – like just the value is there because he – if you say to me, oh, does he have a 1%, 2% chance of winning? I say no. He, he always seems to do very well at World Champs. He could have won one in the past. He's climbing the best form of his career. His team around him is actually pretty good. And um, he wasn't that far behind Alaphilippe and Wafanat at Milan San Remo. And who knows what would have happened if he could have followed their move on the Poggio. So, yeah, I think Matthews is a good shout for at least top five. Um, so I'm not even sure he is, he is a dark horse betting-wise, but... Yeah, speaking of someone who's much shorter odds than him, who I think is too short, is um, Tom Pitcock. I just obviously putting a video up about him almost contemporaneously with this podcast. And before we went live on air, well, not on air, we're not a radio station, but before we started talking, Benji, when we were recording, you said Pitcock's good shout for top five or top ten. I can't remember. Now, what's your justification for, for that? My justification is the same one that I used for a few writers already. That's the fact that... They're going to be looking at Alaphilippe. They're going to be looking at, at Vanard. They're going to be looking at potentially Fulsang, the main people you expect. Pitcock was not expected to ride this World Championships because he was expected to ride the U23 one because it doesn't exist this year. And because those races don't exist, the junior and the U23 one, he was selected for the actual elite team of the UK, which is honestly quite a good thing. Great Britain chose him and... I believe that that really fills up the team, but also because he deserves that spot more than plenty of British riders that would probably have gotten that spot. And I'm saying that because we saw in Britanni Classic, the first podcast we actually did, that he launched a massive attack on the last hill. And if he does that on this race, he can genuinely surprise everybody. And he's not terrible when it comes to time trialing. So... If he attacks, I'm not expecting him to die out on the descend and the flat part after it. I really believe that Pitcock is more of a less of a dark horse and more of a a high up potential. I wouldn't say favorite yet, but between a dark horse and a favorite. And yeah, you seem to disagree, but I'm curious why. Well, the betting market saying he should come top ten. I think it was. It was European chance where he launched that attack, not Plue, but it was the same oh, yeah. course, I think. Um, but yeah, practically the same, same same race, same profile, uh, which Nitzolo won. I don't know, I just think his team, not that good around him. Carthy looked okay at Tour. Luke Rowe, I really rate Luke Rowe. I think I call him the crosswind assassin, but yeah, how much can he help in this sort of profile for the whole, you know, up to the pointy end of the race? James Knox, didn't really like what I saw out of him in Torreno either. Um, following the likes of Fulsang, etc., when the pace really went up. So Peacock would pretty much be on his own from where I, yeah, the way I look at the race. And, I mean, I just made a hype video about him, and I think he'll probably win a World Tour race sooner than we think or sooner than people realise. But, yeah, it's a tall order, but he's probably well-rested well and fresh compared to all these guys coming off the Tour. Now, maybe coming out of lockdown, doing the Tour and getting some racing in the legs is the best thing they could have been doing. I don't know. It's really hard to tell this sort of things. Um, but yeah, it'd be great to see him doing well, competing against Pagatra, Alaphilippe, Wild Van Aert. I'm sure the UCI and their sponsors would enjoy that very much. So speaking about young riders, 
a man who really hasn't had much hype at all in terms of one day races. Um, I haven't really seen him yeah, in too many too many one day races. Is Sep Coos and is Sep Coos too much of a pure GC guy to be doing well in like a Liège Bastogne Liège style race? I'm not sure. I don't have the answer to that question. He's tw- 26 years old. He really isn't actually as young as some of the other riders. He's, he's much older, but you know, 25th in Classica San Sebastian, which is comparable sort of riders that you might see for this sort of race. Um, but yeah, 25th, 30th, 30th at the Lombardia Trevalli Varacin and Giro dell'Emilia. I don't really expect Coos to be too competitive in this race or uh, be a dark horse either. But he's one of the few Americans on this actually lining up. I think McNulty there, the UAE rider, uh, Lawson Cranick and Nielsen Powers. I think they should have brought Quinn Simmons. I think it's a big mistake not bringing him. He's obviously a rider for the future. He can climb for a big guy. He did well in Tour de Hungary. And he, in Britannia or European, oh, not European champs, American, in Britannia, he did really well. He was like lighting up that race. He was the most aggressive rider. So, yeah, I think they should have brought him. One of my other picks is obviously Kwiatkowski. You can't count him out. I really think Kwiatkowski could win this race um, just because, okay, if, if there's one man that can beat Wafanat in a sprint, if it's coming down to the last 500 meters reduced month sprint and they're all looking at Wafanat and he launches too early, if there's one man I'd pick to beat him, it'd be Mikhail Kwiatkowski, more than Ulysses. Um, just he's done that in World Champs before. He beat an Amstel Gold, I think. He was it at World Champs? I can't remember whether that was from a break or a big bunch, but he's beaten Sagan previously. This is many years ago, though, but in, uh, I think, was it Harald Becker or Strada Bianca, both of them, he's beaten better sprinters head-to-head. He's just a savvy guy, and he was in fantastic form at the Tour. Maybe he doesn't have that real punch and kick anymore um, in 2020, but yeah, I think Kwiatkowski will, could have a good chance if it's a reduced bunch sprint, and I think he'd be coming third in that sort of sprint. Um, is there anyone else we've really missed, Benji? We've well, probably Michael Woods and Fulsang are the two favourites we haven't really spoken about too much. Woods is going to be isolated, so that's going to be hard for him. He's not really going to have too much teammate support, um, unfortunately for him, so he's going to have to be following moves. I think it's probably going to be better for him actually to be an aggressor, attack early, on one of those climbs, hopeful saying, and Alaphilippe join you and maybe they then, once you've got a, re- a group, maybe it's the first climb on the last lap, then once you've got a group and then you can attack them on the second climb, I don't know. He's just going to have to play it by ear, try to follow wheels. or uh, Yeah, but I think be aggressive uh, if he does feel good. And Jakob Fulsang, similarly, doesn't have really the strongest team for the this sort of parkour. And... I'd be surprised if Fulsang won this race, to be honest. The Lombardia field was very, very weak. Um, the weakest you'll generally see for that that monument, just because of where it fell in the calendar. Yeah, he won it. Yeah, he was really dominant, but he still had Vlasov helping him a fair bit. And, yeah, I just don't think his team is particularly good either compared to, say, the French, Belgian, or even the Italian team I kind of like a little bit more. So... I think Fulsang's going to have his work cut out for him. He can't win a reduced bunch sprint against Alaphilippe, Wartbanart, Matthews, or really maybe even Pidcock either. So, yeah, he's going to have to go away himself on the climbs. Do you think he can do it? Or do you think, 
yeah, I just think there's a lot of things counting against full Saint for this race. I think third favourite is a bit short for him. It depends on how the race is ridden. Uh, I think the weather for this day is actually pretty terrible. There's rain all day forecasted, so it's going to be a horrendous race when it comes to the weather if that actually ends up happening. And I think that will benefit full Saint because the harder the race, the more he comes out because he's one of the guys that can really make it happen in races that are formed in the word I've been saying all day, attrition. And we can compare it to Strada Bianche, which was a race according to a opposite weather. The heat and so forth was the issue. Now it could be the rain and such. And I think Fulsang is also pretty good in handling and combating extreme weather conditions. And that could definitely benefit him. If the race is harder, then he's going to have more of a chance. If it's not as hard and it gets aside in the last few hills, then it's going to be pretty tough for him to come out. But I would never write him off as a potential winner here for sure, because we've seen plenty of things happen in this year and last year where these races are ridden way more aggressively than we initially thought they would. Like Strade was opened up way earlier than we thought it would. LBL last year as well. And Lombardia was already battling on the Madonna del Ghisalo, thanks to the work of the team of De Koenig there that pretty much tried to launch Evenepoel there. But in general, yeah, these races open up early, and I think that might actually be the case on this one. And if that's the case, that's going to benefit a rider like Fulsang. But you asked me if there are any other names that I would also pick as potential dark horses, maybe a bit further than other people. And one of the names we've been speaking about once or twice in the last few podcasts is Ryaboshenko, I think, when the Italian races were ongoing, Sabatini and so forth. And when I see the Smarco, it reminds me of those Italian classics of the last month. And he's one of those riders that could top five a race like that. So I would not count him out to magically come up in the top 10 in the end and potentially do well. Winning is another thing. That's going to be tough. He's got no one around him, but... I think that the people that don't have anyone around them are going to be able to benefit quite well of the other teams that do have a well-formed team in the chase and so forth. So if they don't have the right attack and are not with the people that are up front, they're going to have someone in that group that will potentially be behind with a better team that will need to chase. So I think that the team play will help people that are not necessarily having a good team. And another rider that is pretty much alone on the start list at the moment, unconfirmed yet, but... I would like to name him Lutsenko. We saw him do great at the Tour de France. And I think that's roughly about it. Do you expect Richie Port to work for Matthews or do you expect him to do anything for himself here? No, Port has to work for Matthews because even if he gets a gap of 10 seconds over the top of the final climb, he's going to get caught on the descent anyway. So what's the point? Unless he gets a gap of like five minutes, he's going to lose the time on the descent. If it's raining as well, That'll make it even worse. So he has to work for Matthews. I'll give you another name who's similar to the name you said, Benji, particularly if it's raining. Tom Schoens, um, or Schoens, Schoens. Oh, sorry, I'm probably butchering it. A Latvian rider. He's good in Italy. He won Tre Valle in 2018 ahead of Thibaut Pino Hilly Race. He came third in Tre Valle in 2019. He came second in a tour stage. He's in pretty good form. He's won three stages of Tour of California. He's an underrated one-day rider. And, yeah, if it's a, if it's just completely shit weather, then why not someone like him, kind of like Mads Pedersen winning last year in the, in the cold um, and he likes Italy and he, he can get over a hill. And, yeah, he's a good shout as well, I think, Tom Skern. He's a guy who I wouldn't be surprised to see in the top 10 
um, as well. But that's pretty much it for the men's race. I think we're gonna. I'm gonna put Benji on the spot now. We've spoken about it at length. Uh, it's hard to say what the riders will do at this point without knowing the weather exactly. I think the weather will play as it will. Um, usually does a major part in the race. I think, as Benji said, it's going to be a, war, a battle of attrition, and there's going to be a group of like 40 riders left, particularly if it's raining. 40 riders left in the last oh, 30 kilometers into the last lap. It's given that it's so hard, so hilly. Who's going to be setting the pace? Or oh, I'm not sure exactly. Probably people will be looking at Belgium to do that, given that they have the favorite in Van Aert. I think other teams should. I think other teams should really try and be aggressive and get, particularly France, particularly Germany with Schachmann, uh, get their riders into a breakaway. The Geschken, you know, Germany tries to get Geschken into a break with one of the French riders, same with Sergio now. He probably try and sneak away if he can, or one of the other Colombians, maybe Harold Tejada, Scoins, etc. Um, yeah, that's what I think the other team should try and do, try and make it hard for Belgium, make them chase a group of Harada and co in that as well. That would make the race very interesting and that would then make sure the Wavonart might be isolated at the end. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be a fight to get in the break and then for the teams with the favourites, trying to get their riders in that break so they can sit on. Um, and then Australia will probably have to be doing a bit of chasing as well, I dare say. Uh, I think Simon Clark will still be there at the pointy end. Who's your picks? Who's your picks then, Benji? Um, you got one pick to actually win the race. We've set our dark horses. Okay, so we named plenty of riders. We named plenty of potential riders. There's other riders on the start list that can do well. Netherlands is here with Dumoulin and such. We've got Joel Almeida and Rui Costa for Portugal. But my final name for winning the World Championships, I'm going to go for a dark horse because I like diving onto dark horses and i'm actually gonna go for bagioli i believe that he has it in him and i think he's gonna win the world championships unexpectedly in a bit of a reduced bunch sprint or following someone on that last hill in an attack i think he has it but it's gonna be rough it does puzzle pieces have to fit together and that's for everybody he's not the head favorite he doesn't have the highest amount of chance but you never know and therefore i'm going to be a Taking a look at a potential victory of him. And yeah, that's that'd be insane. We probably we haven't mentioned Mark Hirschi. He's top five favorite. Oh I yeah, don't see it. No. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's different getting into breaks and winning from a break. I know there's still a ninety k break, etc. Uh, in the tour, but I think that's very different to a one day race. Like obviously he won. Um, what do you mean? He won world championships under was it under twenty threes in um, yes. twenty eighteen, and that was ahead of. Um, ahead of Bjorg Lambrecht and Jakob Heinen and Gina Mata and ahead of Pogaccia and Ethan Hayter as well and Jai Hindley. So, yeah, here she, he's got to be counted up there, third in Classica San Sebastian last year. But, yeah, it's going to be hard. I guess they've got kind of a low-key strong team with Cher, Simon Pello and uh, Albacini, Sylvandilier, Enrico Gasparotto, the Amstel Gold Specialist. But, yeah, I'm not... He's, we've got to be counted. We've got to mention his name, but yeah, not my pick for sure. My pick is, I don't know. I don't really have a firm one to be honest. Um, I'm going to go with with Wild Van Art. Uh, I know that's pretty boring, but world champs, anything can happen. Just what he did at Milan San Remo, the way he was climbing at uh, Tour de France. Yeah, I think Wild Van Art is my pick to win the race. 
But even though I started the top of this show by saying his odds were too short, that doesn't mean I'm going to bet on him. But it does mean I think he still is the most likely rider to win. Um, and I think Michael Matthews and Maximilian Schachmann will be well, – it's hard to say if Schachmann will be there. I think if it's a break, sort of if it, like a break or a gap on the climb, I think Schachmann could win. Uh, but reduce bunch sprint, Wavanart with Matthews second once again. Uh, any last words on the men's road race, Benji? I'm looking forward to seeing who wears the rainbow bands. As you said, we had a situation that is odd as AF this year in the sense that Pedersen did not wear it too long. And that sucks for him, but there's not much we can do about it, nor he. So someone else is going to wear it in the classics, in the other races. I hope that it's a rider we can see in plenty of races and be active all season. And if that is in a deserved victory and such, I'm fine with anybody taking it. So I just want a good race and I hope it's entertaining. And I hope it opens up quite early that we don't have to wait till the last hill for anything to happen. But I want to see people that we don't necessarily expect try and do early things. And yeah, I want to see some some fun race action. And I look forward to uh, the actual race. All right, that's the men's race. We've gone long enough on the men's. Let's talk about the women's race now. And just a warning to you all, we've missed the women's ITT. We're too late on it. Sorry, that wasn't deliberate or by our, our choice. But I feel for the purpose of the women's road race preview, given that you're going to be listening to it in the next sort of after the women's ITT is finished, I feel like we have to tell you, and spoiler alert, so turn off the pod now if you don't want the women's ITT spoiled and then come back to the pod. But otherwise, Chloe Geigert crashed in the women's ITT. Um, I haven't really seen more details about it, but I don't know whether she'll be right for the road race or whether she's injured. I hope to God she she's okay. Um, but, yeah, I'm not sure if whether that will affect – it probably will affect a little bit our choices for the women's road race, um, whether she's able to continue or not. That's not confirmed yet. That's just, just happened. Um, but we have to – yeah, I feel like the preview will only work if we um, yeah, acknowledge that that's happened. But it, seemed, it was quite a heavy crash, I believe. And, um, yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume that Daigert isn't actually competing in the women's road race just because it is in a few days, a couple of days, and that was a heavy crash. But – yeah, now back to the women's ITT, five laps of the same course, the same climbs, a hard race uh, for the women once again. And the other news, which is just insane, is that Annemiek van Fluten, van Fluten will be racing in this road race with a broken, with a goddamn broken wrist, Benji. How shocked are you by that? And, yeah, I'm, I'm honestly pretty shook by it. That's crazy, but I'm also the kind of person that's not always happy with people riding with injuries. We had Craddock ride out a to the France, I think, with a pretty uh, pretty harsh injury from one of the earliest stages. We had Bennett crash on the first stage of a to the France in the past, and he basically rode out that to the France as Lantern Rouge with injuries. We had Raoul Pools ride out the to the France with a um, with a rib injury now. Van Vleuten, she is the obvious favorite if she didn't have an injury. This is going to influence how people expect her to ride that day. I I don't know what to, what to f- think about riding with injuries. It's a bit of a, a topic I, 
I don't like. I don't like people riding with injuries. That's just in general. But it's their choice, so we got to live with it. And I've got the feeling that she will still be playing a pretty important role in the race, even with the injury, because as reported, she apparently doesn't really have any trouble riding with that that race she has on. So, yeah, I don't know what to expect from it, but it it's quite original and we haven't seen it much. So I can't really judge on historical precedents of people riding with braces in their world championship. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that she's... Um able to ride the road race rather than the TT. You'd think that they'd maybe have found out a way for her to lock her hand into position for the TT, whereas the road race, they'll be moving around, lot like they'll be descending like 15 times down these climbs. I don't know. I kind of agree with you, Benji. A little bit sketchy. I hope it doesn't um, – yeah, I hope it's safe for her to do that. I assume it will be, but, yeah, I thought she was going to be able to do the TT. I was kind of surprised that she's doing the road race. and. The women's race, it's been dominated by the the Dutch team for the, like for many many years. Like was it Chantal Black won, um, Mariana Vos has won <laughs> constantly world championships. Um, Annemiek van Vleuten last year what 100k solo breakaway to win in Yorkshire, just insane. And yeah, they got a strong team once again, even with van Vleuten kind of battered and bruised. They they still be the favourites of the race, really. They've got Van der Bregen, who's she won Giro Rosa. Like I know she won Giro Rosa because like Van Vleuten was going to win that race. Let's be honest. Uh, if she hadn't crashed and got chopped, but she didn't, and Van der Bregen was still the second best rider on GC and took out the win. Maybe if Sprat had been there, who knows? But Van der Bregen probably still better than Sprat. Amy Peters, strong rider. Demi Vollering, Mariana Vos, Ellen Van Dijk. There. Still the strongest team in the race. I thought with Van Vleuten out and Van der Bregen not looking as good, it might be a bit more of an open race. They're still not my pick to win, by the way. I have a different pick to win. Um, but, yeah, the Dutch women, they've been the strongest team for so many years. And tactically, sometimes good, sometimes not so good. I think when uh, Chantal Vandenbroek Black won in 2017, she was in a break with, like I swear, Vos, Van Vleuten and Van der Bregen and they let her attack first to see if someone else would chase before the finish. It's pretty smart. She got the dubski. Um, but, yeah, let's just run through some of the favourites first. I'm sorry, I've jumped straight to the Holland team. Favourites probably are Voss, Van der Bregen, uh, Longo Borghini, Dijgnen, Van Vleuten, Nui Adoma, Liana Lippert, the German, um, Brody Chapman, Lucy Kennedy, Amanda Spratt's injured. I don't think she's racing. Um, but yeah, they're the main favourites that I see. Oh, Cecily Utrup Ludwig uh, has to be picked. I'd expect her to be getting a top five, to be honest. Um, so it is pretty mixed across the board. Mavi Garcia, how's she going to go? Now the American team, which is probably would have been top five strongest team. Uh, I'm not sure if this is the final team, but yeah, Digert, uh, I'm assuming, I'm, I, have to make an assu- I have to make an assumption on one side of it. I'm assuming she's not going to be racing the Wounds Road race. Um, she's out, but they got Rivera, sort of sprinter, Stevens, Thomas, Taylor Wills, Ruth Winder. They're not looking as strong without Digert, who I think would have got, I don't know, top five. She was looking really strong. Mavi Garcia, who looked good at Strada Bianca for Spain, I think she could do it go pretty well, but it's yeah, it's a long race. The British team, I think, 
is where I think the race will become much more interesting compared to last year. Like Van Vleuten winning 100k break, it's insane, etc. But it isn't that exciting in terms of like competitive tension for for the race. And um, Lizzie Banks looks in magic form. She won another Giro Rosa stage. She did really well in what was it, GP Pluet behind. My favourite for the race, Lizzie Dignan. I think Lizzie Dignan could go really well here. She's won three GP Pluet. She won this year. She won World Champs in um, 2015. She won Ronde van Vlaanderen in 2016. Won La Course this year as well in a sprint ahead of Mariana Vos. She won Strada Bianca in 2016. So she's come back and she's looking magic in 2020, winning La Course and winning GP Pluet. And now she's got Lizzie Banks, who is on a keep Paul Carr, not on her Trek team. Now they're on the same team, and Lizzie Banks is looking like a, one of the strongest breakaway riders in the world. Yeah, I think the British team looks so, so strong and um, could really put up a big fight against the Dutch team, who yeah, suffering from Van Vleuten injury and uh, Van der Breggen not looking as immortal as previous years, and this being very, very hilly. Indeed, for uh, Mariana Voss. I know she won five fresh for long, but yeah, she hasn't won one since 2013. I think of her more as a, I think of Voss more as a sort of pure sprinter or reduced bunch sprinter, more like Matthews now rather than someone like, uh, like, like a, she's always been better than full saying. I hate doing women and male comparisons, but yeah, I just think she's lost a bit of a, climbing ability in those maybe five to eight minute climbs still got that kick and the reduced bunch sprints but um i think the british team could make it hard for her same with maybe liana lippert as well for the germans but yeah have i missed am i missing any favorites there there benji or missing anyone um have i underplayed the australian team with grace brown rachel nayland who came second in world champs like over eight years ago uh the veteran is there anyone i'm missing I don't think you're missing anyone outside of other teams. I do think that Amanda Spread is actually confirmed to be in the team despite the injury, but I'm not sure about that. BCS at least confirms it, which is unexpected for me as well because I didn't really see that. No, nah, she's out. She's out. She's out? Okay, then the yeah. start list yeah, yeah. is wrong. But with the likes of Mavi Garcia and Utrip Ludwig, those are really my two picks for this. Utrip Ludwig doesn't have really a amazing team surrounding her getting her into this race, but after Amelia, I've got pretty good confidence that she can finish off a race like this. Only difference is that this one is not finishing on the hill. It's on the uh, flat part. After that, we've got Mavi Garcia, as you said, being one of the more, well, one of the people that do certainly have an opportunity here. And I think with a decent support behind her in the form of Santesteban and such, I think she's going to Mitchelton, right? Santesteban, that's recently announced. But anyway, I believe um, that she can be real support for Mavi Garcia and potentially be there in the uh, last few laps with her still. So, yeah, in the end, there's plenty of opportunities for plenty of people to uh, be important here. Netherlands is always great in World Championships, so it, it would be harsh not to, to count them as potential favorites here. But the thing is, Van Vleuten, I just don't see it happening with the Braves. And... Maybe she surprises everybody. That it would be insane. It would be insane. Imagine winning with one hand. It would literally be the meme that we are generally joking about sometimes because she wins so many races that we say she could basically win the other races with one hand. But that's factually not really true. But now we will have 
a race that actually defines whether she can win races with one hand. So at least that's one fun thing we get out of this as well. But honestly, just the Dutch team in general, I expect stuff from that. Anna van der Breggen, like you said, is going to be important. Yeah. Outside of the people you name, I can't really find out other names that I'd say these really have an opportunity of surprising everybody and coming out with the victory here, to be honest. Okay, I'm going to give you two two dark horses um, who could do pretty well. They're two Kiwis, Neve Fisher-Black and her brothers in the JV development squad. Pretty sure he's a fan of the... Uh, um, Fan of the Lantern Rouge, if I'm not mistaken. But she had a really, really good result in the last stages of Hero Rosa and Nee Fisher Black. She's 20 years old. Um, she won Gravel and Tar La Femme at the start of this year. She won New Zealand World Champs Road Race. Yeah, she looked so good in. Uh, she finished outside the time limit and DNF'd at Plouay and Strade. But I think she could actually do a pretty good result here. I know it's a step up, but still. And also her teammate, Michaela Harvey, who came fifth on GC as Euro Rosa. She won the youth classification. She won, I think, a stage in, what was it? Yeah, Tour de Britannia last year. She came third in the stage in Euro Rosa this year. And that was with the big dogs too. She was climbing, following attacks from Longa Borghini, Andavanda Bregen, etc. Giro Rosa, look it up and uh, check out my recap, which I'll be uploading um, simultaneously with this for the Giro Rosa last stages. So, yeah, I think they're my two dark horses, two Kiwis to do well. I think Italian squad is strong. Uh, Ciccani, Soraya Paladin, CCC rider who normally was leading out for Voss, I think, is Giro Rosa. And obviously I think their team leader is going to be Longa Borghini. But the thing I love most about women's cycling and why I think it's so easy to market women's cycling, if it just – a bit of a better job was done, is because I can almost guarantee you this is going to happen, and they are going to have the top ten names battling it out on the final climbs, and or wherever it is, wherever it is, they will have all the favourites there battling it out. Ludwig, Chapman, Kennedy, Navi Garcia, probably Michaela Harvey, Nui Adoma, um, <laughs> who who else? Diger if she's there. Van der Breggen, Van Vleuten, um, Mariana Voss, Leanna Lippert. I've probably missed anyone. And the British riders, Diagnan as well. They will have them there battling it out. And, yeah, I can't wait to see see what happens. Um, as I said, I think the British team are pretty well drilled. I think Diagnan and Banks just work so well together. Lippert, Lippert didn't look like she was good enough to beat these all of those girls, uh, women up a steep pinch or up these climbs from what I saw at Giro Rosa. She was being set up pretty well by Sunweb, but not being able to finish it off. Um, obviously interviewed her back at the start of this year. Ashley Mullman as well for South Africa. Usually, yeah, I don't, I don't think she's going to be able to um, actually pull off a top three, but I could be mistaken. You know, she got 40 pro wins, but they were mostly back in sort of 14 to to 17, 18 region. I'm not sure I'm seeing the same form for her at the moment. It's the riders like Mavi Garcia are looking way stronger. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited for the world, the women's race. I always watch it just almost, yeah, with more interest sometimes than the men's just because it's one of the one times in the year we guaranteed to get 
really good coverage of their race and you see it and you're like, oh, so this is what it should be like. Um, and I should mention, by the way, I kind of disagree that Ludwig won't have too much teammate help, Benji. Like, she's got Emily Diedrichsen. I know she's more of a sprinter, etc. but depending on the pace, they got the climbs, the former world champion, maybe too hard for her. Like Emma Norsgaard, she's coming up. They've got Julie Leith. Um, like, yeah, they've got some pretty good riders. Uh, she came, like Julie Leith left, came second in their, um, their road race, National Champs road race, behind Emma Norsgaard. And they actually beat Ludwig, who came third. So I think they've got a low-key, pretty good squad Danish team. Um, the Belgian team, Benji, it's got a squad maybe not confirmed yet, but, yeah, do you see anything coming out of the Belgian squad? Do you think, um, yeah, Julie van der Velde, she won Flanders Ladies Classic last year, but not shown too much this year, um, more of a time trial than a sprinter, maybe a little bit too hard for her. Um, yeah, do you think it's... Do you think anyone from the Belgian team can surprise you? You're the man on the ground. Honestly, I don't think so. And I don't want to be harsh on the Belgian team or anything, but they have riders that can do well and such, but I'm not sure this terrain really fits them perfectly. We've got a really informal Lotte Kopecky right now, but I don't really feel like this really fits her. And because of that, I'm not really expecting too much of the team because in general... Lotte Kopecky is, in my opinion, by far the best Belgian we have on the scene right now. And yeah, if something had to come from the Belgian team, then it would be her, but I don't think it really fits. Yeah, another name that must be mentioned is, uh, well, two names, but the main name, I think the French team will be riding for Audrey Cordon-Rago. She came, I think she won a stage in Ardèche. Uh, after lockdown finished, she won. She current French national champion, won that this year. She did pretty well in the women's uh, European road race. She actually came fifth. So in that group of um, – Vloten obviously won that, but that was behind Longoborghini, Nui, Doma, and Chantal van der Broek-Black. Yeah, she came fifth. She beat Bernal, Kopecky, Voss, Chikini, and Amy Peters. So I think Audrey Cordon-Rago, she's – like she's 31, but I think she's – Coming in, looking like she's actually in her peak uh, right now. Based on on those results, she's looking really, really good. Um, good time trials too. Maybe she attacks early and tries to hold it. I don't know, but yeah, she. I'd be remiss not to mention her um, as well as Juliette Labou, who I think is a Sunweb rider. Um, she normally supports Viana Lippert. She's a sort of all rounder, decent climber. She will be probably good at helping. Yeah, Audrey, go on I go. But that's, yeah, the women's road race. Benji, who's your pick to take out the W? I know we're dealing with a lot of uncertain information at the moment, even uncertain start lists, which is kind of crazy this far out. And now injury, injuries to Van Vluten, injury to Diagut. But yeah, put, I still got to put you on the spot. Who's your pick to take out the W? I'm going to go further with Ludwig, and it might be a bit of a biased option due to the fact that I believe that she would be an amazing representative of women's cycling if she is world champion, due to, well, she's out there. She's got the charisma to present the sport like this and bring it forward, and I believe she would be great as world champion. I believe she has the opportunity of doing so, but I've also saw seen, uh, I don't know which race it was, but a race where she wasn't up there with the others, and uh, because of that, that is the only reason I, I would be doubting a possibility 
of her taking the W, but yeah, I'm I'm gonna say the name Uther Ludwig. Yeah, and I don't disagree with you that I think she'll be up there, but I think yeah, I'm picking I'm picking Diagon. I think she's the on form rider. Uh, I think Longo Borghini will be actually quite aggressive. Yeah, I'm picking uh, Lizzie Diagon to be take out a second world championship. But I want to make this point as well, just before we get to the men's ITT. And if any women's world tour rider ever wants to use my platform on my YouTube channel, this podcast, they want to do an interview or anything like that, it's always open to them. Um, so I've been trying in vain, uh, sometimes more successful to get um, some of the men's riders on, unfortunately. But I, even though I've had less women's rider, women, female riders on the channel, I actually try equally as hard and reach out to just as many of the Women's World Tour riders. So if anyone ever do an interview, talk about a race, talk about a, a, a win or whatever, platform's open if you want to talk about it. Same goes for the men, but particularly want to extend that invitation to the female riders to do our part in um, assisting in more coverage of their races. But, yeah, can't wait for their race. Now on to the men's ITT, Benji. Um, this is one I'm very, very excited for, uh, particularly – that little teaser we had in Torreno uh, just two weeks ago, that stage one, which Filippo Ganna straight up destroyed. 32K, I think it might be 31.7Ks, Imola to Imola. I'm not sure how much elevation it is. It's it's pretty flat, isn't it, um, from what I can see? And, yeah, it's got an intermediate time check at 14.5Ks into it. There's a little 400-meter climb at 6.5% before I think they enter the uh, Ferrari Autodrome. That shouldn't bother them too much, but still a few punchy, few little climbs and rises. It's not pancake flat like we saw at the um, the European Championships that was in Holland, I think, last year. And, yeah, the, the favourites, it's it's a it's a magic list. Um, Rowan Dennis, obviously the back-to-back champion in the men's time trial, even last year when he didn't even have didn't even have, I think, a, um, he wasn't riding for a trade team at all. Him and Durbridge is, in my view, the strongest pairing by far, the strongest pairing. Matthias Prendel, good time trials, Wout van Aert, he's one of the favourites. Um, Alex Dowsett, Grant Thomas, who else is there? Patrick Bevan, Tom Dumoulin, Remy Cavagna, Kasper Askren, Stefan Kuhn. Did I say Victor Campanats yet? Eduardo Affini, Mikel Björg, the under-23, back-to-back-to-back world champ. And then we're sort of getting into the weeds with uh, Bodnar and co. But, yeah, the favourites, it looks like the betting market's saying it's a two-horse race. they got Ghana with like a 40% chance of winning and Rowan Dennis with about a 38% chance of winning and then Stefan Kung at 8-1. Uh, to one. Tom Dumoulin, Wampanaat also at 8-1. to one. And... Um, I think that's too polarised. I think it's, this is different to the Terreno Stage 1 or whatever that ITT was at Terreno, that power one that Ghana just destroyed. And I know that's it's not a hilly course and I know that Ghana is a guy that can ride for longer than just 10 minutes, but I think $2.25 and what the market's saying is a little bit too short for Filippo Ghana. Um, I do like some other riders to do really well in this ITT, particularly... Luke Durbridge, he won Australian ITT National Champs again this year and he did massive numbers there. And I think I think someone like Luke Durbridge could do a really, really good result 
and I think he's going to come top three in the World Champs ITT. Now, maybe he won't win it, but yeah, what do you what do you think, Benji? If between the road race and the ITT, who do you think Wavanaugh's more likely to win this one or the road race? I'd say the road race because on the time trial, you've got the situation where there's people that come from the Tour de France and don't necessarily have had this on their preparation beforehand and potentially didn't recon it as much as, well, I'm pretty sure Wadfanar didn't recon it as much as, for example, Rohan Dennis and Ghana because those two people have been preparing for this race basically their entire season. It's what their season revolves around this race and it's really that polarizing effect between those two riders that in my opinion will take the foreground because i believe that they are more prepared for this itc maybe i might be looking at tunnel vision at two people at the moment but we saw it last year dennis was not really out there throughout the whole season i think he got second in an algarve tt this year just behind Avonapool. by the way so sad Avonapool's not here but that's just the side really unfortunate but Dennis was also third at that Tireno one. We haven't really had a real proper long one this year, a long time trial. So we don't really have anything to point at except for the last World Championships, which Dennis was two minutes better, I think, than Ghana. But you can't compare that anymore. Ghana's a, a different man since last year. He looks way better, way more informed, and way more prepared. And I believe that Filippo Ghana might actually upset Dennis here. And. I'm looking at two people, yeah, like, it feels like it's going to be mainly that. I find it really hard to judge on time trials in a year that there's hardly been any. So we can't look at many time trials this year and say, this guy's in form or this guy's in form. But on the other hand, last year, we looked at all the time trials in the year and we said, Dennis is not looking too well, isn't he? But, well, he was mainly prepared for that race and just, just smashed it. So... It's really hard to guess, and it's really hard to predict. I'm guessing that the teammate of Ghana, Afini, hasn't really been looking good this year, and no. therefore I'm not expecting as much from him as from other people on the park. Or oh, Asgren, mm, I, I don't believe in it. I don't believe in it. I think Bjerg might actually just be quite well in the top 10 there. He was twice U23 champion, I think, and in general a really three good rider. But three times? Wow. And, uh, and he's Pogacar's ITT coach. Oh, yeah. We Not joking. We Not joking. Yeah, you said that yesterday, I think, in the Tour de France recap. But, yeah, Mikkel Bjerg, I don't think he's on the level yet to no. compete for a victory, but potentially a, a top five might be in the cards and a perfect day for him. One name I do want to name outside of all these people is Ryder that comes out of the Tour de France, which wrote the first intermediate check of that time trial in the Tour de France. The best out of everybody. Remy Cavagna, he, uh, he's a monster on the flat. And this parkour is flat. I can't call it all-out flat because there's one hill in it of like 400 meters of 7%. But the riders that are flat titias can get over a 700-meter climb, I would expect. A 400-meter climb, so it's even even less. But in general, Remy Cavagna is one of the names I, w- I would write down. Is that one of the names you had on your menu or... Yeah, Cavagna, I think he looked magic at the uh, Tour de France ITT. That was 30Ks, similar distance, with a little bit of a climb in it uh, before the Planche de Belfi. And Cavagna said, maybe second time, equal with Tadej Pogacar. 
I think, but he he lost he he lost European ITT champs twenty five k's long. He lost that to Stefan Kung by tw- uh, seventeen seconds. Pampanarts was twenty one seconds back. Obviously, Filippo Ganna wasn't there, and yeah, like are these random Germans that don't have that aren't on world tour teams? Are they competing in this race? It's um like Justin Wolf came seven in seventh in European champs. Um, yeah, that would be. I don't think they're actually competing here. I think it's Max Waldschad and Yasha uh, Schutelin or Sutelin. But yeah, the two two teammates on Ineos, Dennis and Ganna, are first and second favorites. And yeah, my pick is if you want to beat the champ, you've got to beat the champ. And that's the most boomer take. I, I say a boomer take every pod, and that's my boomer take for this pod. I got to go with Rowan Dennis. Um, this is his race. Like he. When the calendar comes out and it was going to be the Olympics ITT, well, that was his like big, big priority and now this is his priority for the entire year. And yeah, it's not a 10K power TT. It's not as long as it could be. I think if it was, I think if, if it was a 48K time trial with a lot more hills like in Yorkshire last year, I think I'd be saying it with a lot more confidence that he'd be beating Ghana. Still not certain. But it's not. It's it's going to be really finely balanced between those two. But Ghana just he's just a monster. Um, <laughs> the power he puts out. <laughs> same with same with Cavagna. Like Cavagna, he's not very aero. Like compared to Campanarts, the the night and day. But the watts that Cavagna can put out is just crazy. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, I I have a, I have to go with Dennis, but. Obviously, I wouldn't be surprised if Ghana beat him. I'm not an idiot. Um, but I think Durbridge will be up there for top three as well. One man who I don't think will do too well, who I think is way too short, is uh, Tom Dumoulin. I think I don't think he's in the 2017 form. I know he's saying he did the same what's in that TT. I don't believe him. Um, Tom Dumoulin likes to say things. Um, maybe he said it was a similar performance, but, yeah, I don't I don't see that. And... Um, I saw what I saw out of him in the in the Tour de France overall. Just suggested he well, he's not the same rider yet as he was in 2017. That's not his fault. He was way better than I thought he could be because he's just coming back from that injury. But yeah, he's not on the level of Dennis Kung, Ghana, even Luke Durbridge. I don't think for this TT or or Wout Van Aert on the on the. It's interesting though because he beat Wout Van Aert on the flat for the first 30 k's of the Tour de France, and then Wout Van Aert smoked him on the climb. Um, yeah, it's interesting how they're the same the same odds. Um, I don't think Lavana, yeah, has a great chance of winning this ITT. I think Kung is pretty solid, and I'd actually be expecting Cavagna to beat Lavana in this time trial if I had to do a head to head. To be honest, just because Cavagna is a flat monster. Um, but yeah, that, that, they're my thoughts on the TT. It's hard to say. There's not really any strategy involved. <laughs> particularly when there's no, like, there was a lot of strategy involved and a lot to talk about for that Tour de France time trial, but it's a flat one. So, yeah, I'm keen to see it. I'll be really excited. And I hope, yeah, I hope someone sneaks in the top five. I think Patrick Bevan, he's a, just a rider who never gets spoken about. He's, he's a pretty good rider, and I think he could also get in the top five. Um, he seems to do well sometimes in world champs. But, yeah, that's the men's ITT. Any last thoughts on that, Benji? I haven't. Did you already say Ghana, or I'll let you, I'll let you even, confirm your point. I did not even get an opportunity to speak. Oh, Well, I'm giving it to you now. I'm giving it to you now. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you very much. 
I um I'm gonna give you more than just one name. I believe that Gana's gonna win ahead of Dennis. So I'm gonna oppose you on that. And it's not because you picked Dennis. I just believe that Gana's gonna be winning in his own country it would be beautiful. Now, additionally, I'm going to tell you that Alex Dowsett is going to beat Geraint Thomas. Get the fuck out of here. No, 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 no. It is going to happen. It is going to happen. Thomas is an overrated time trialist. And I keep saying it. He is good in, in third weeks in time trials of Grand Tours, but in a one-day race, he's not going to do it. So, no, no, no. I'm writing him off. I'm writing him off for a top five even. He's going to get like eighth, ninth, maybe tenth. But Alex Dowsett will be like seventh or sixth just ahead of him. So, uh, nah, Alex Dowsett will beat Geraint Thomas, hands down. You know the only Tour de France ITT Geraint Thomas ever won? It was on stage one in 2017, and he beat Kung oh, by five seconds. <laughs> it was a pro. He beat Tony Martin by, by eight seconds. I don't care. It's still not third week. It, it doesn't it's, count. It's a pro. <laughs> okay, well, still, you know – because I watch Alex Dowsett's YouTube channel, you know what Alex Dowsett said the one day in his career where he saw someone turn up and he decided, I can't win today, and then he just completely cooked his performance and, and almost mailed it in, is when Geraint Thomas turned up to the British National Championships ITT, whenever that was, in 2018, I think. So, yeah, <laughs> I don't see it happening. No, sorry. I think, yeah, I think Thomas has won... Yeah, he's won five professional ITTs in his career, one of which was the British one, I think. He's won Romandy Prologue back in 2012, and the last ITT he won, apart from the British one, was yeah back in 2018 the, at the Volta Algarve. He came third. That was, oh, how long was it? 20.3 kilometres, I think. He beat Kampenhaft and Kung once again by 11 and 19 seconds. Dowsett's never done that, man. Um or doesn't look like he's able to do that. But then again, Thomas, that's two years ago. And, um, yeah, maybe we'll have a friendly wager, or actually not really friendly. We're not going to have a friendly wager. We're going to have a wager on this, Benji, I think, off air. More. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure people in the comments comments below will on this YouTube video for this will voice their opinions about Thomas V. Dowsett. Now, I like Dowsett. I hope he does really well. And um, if he comes top five, then that'll be – That'd be really good. I hope he does because, yeah, he needs, he needs a contract for next year. So I, I do hope he gets that. But, yeah, that's the men's ITT. You picked Ghana. I picked Dennis. Um, I had to go with Dennis as well, legally, as an Australian. And the women's ITT, exactly the same distance. I must say it, it's just finished as we've been speaking and you're going to be listening to this and you're all hardcore cycling fans. I'm not going to offend you and, and waste your time by um, – yeah, previewing a race that's already finished as this is uploaded. Nor am I going to read you out the results either because we haven't had a chance to analyze or watch it. Fortunately, Chloe Dygert, as we're reading it on Twitter, she's you know conscious and talking, so that's fantastic to hear. But um, yeah, I hope she's okay, and I'm going to go watch that right now after I upload this at one thirty in the morning. But yeah, any uh, how excited are you for the World Champs, Benji? I'm kind of. I'm usually I love World Champs Week. I, I fucking love it, but it's just the way it's straight after the tour. I have been, I'm a bit more recovered now. I feel like the change to Imola from Martini has kind of thrown me a bit, and maybe a bit less excited for it. I don't know. There's something like about the when this the Olympics as well. How they've got the the months of 
lead up excitement for this host city and then they've just changed all of a sudden to where is it? Imola? What the hell? What's the route? What's the profile? And who's going? And there's riders dropping in and out. But still, I'm excited. Uh, and uh, I can't wait to see what will happen, particularly in the, in the women's and the women's road race because I don't have really a good feel for how that's going to play out. But, yeah, what's, what's your one thing to look for this week Benji what's one thing out of all the three races remaining that you'd say keep your eye on that rider or this tactical thing or or, or what um in any of the races that is like a very difficult question without any preparation so I'm gonna go for a road race <laughs> thing I guess and what I am hoping for the thing I first want to respond to the initial question of whether there's more hype or less hype for me. There's a bit less hype, but I feel like it's not necessarily because of the lead-up that's different. Yes, it's after a Grand Tour, but usually it's after the Vuelta, so it's kind of similar. What is different for me is that usually we have plenty of Junior and U23 races in advance, and watching those races progresses my hype towards the actual men's race as well. And now I just feel like it's, it's needing a bit of a kickstart because we don't have as many lead-up days to it in the UCI uh, World Championships week. Now, I'm not saying that I'm less hyped for the uh, women's race than the men's race, because I'm expecting that one to be extremely aggressive, and because of that, I'm looking forward to that as well. So, in general, I just hope that we have entertaining races, and I don't necessarily need anything else. A Belgian World Champion would be amazing, so just want to point that <laughs> out, that'd be amazing. And potentially the Australians just not do well, just like out of the bag very early on, and I'd be a happy man. Yeah, I don't. I can't believe we're ninety minutes into the podcast, and I haven't mentioned. I've not done my good job setting the table for us here. That there's no junior or U twenty three competition in this World Champs, and I think that's really really disappointing. Um, yeah, it's just so disappointing. I'm not going to go in and lay blame it anywhere. I feel like. Maybe it could have been possible, but then I'm just happy it's we've COVID's got world champs. Fault. Yeah, it's COVID's fault. Um, I hope we've got world champs at all. It is a real shame they couldn't do that um, and couldn't organise it. As I said before, it's their one opportunity, some of these riders, to to compete in that, in that level before they move on up to world tour ranks or women's world tour ranks or they grow out of the age bracket. And I love those. It's the first time you see them and they get professional level coverage. That's where we saw Quinn Simmons for the first time last year. So we saw Hershey, saw Neil Zekov winning last year. Um, you know, I know on a personal level, speaking to the sort of the younger Australians, they they're so disappointed they couldn't do Lavanier and World Champs. Now they probably wouldn't have been able to leave the country anyway. But yeah, that's that's a real shame, um, and that's why I guess they're, we're going to see Tom Pidcock in the men's elite race. Um, but yeah, World Champs, not a week, four actually four days of racing just before the Giro d'Italia. We've got to be grateful that it's happening at all in the year we've had. We're G'd up. I'm grateful to Benji being the most agile co-host ever because I literally never prepare or tell him the questions. I think of them as I ask them, and then he still answers them with aplomb. But thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this long re- uh, preview of the World Champs, we certainly I enjoy talking to Benji about it, mulling over what's going to happen. Make sure to give us a review on the Apple Podcast Player. That really helps out a lot, actually. Um, yeah, it helps out more than you can imagine. And it really warms our hearts seeing that as well, seeing your kind comments. But hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoy the coverage. Make sure to hit us up on hashtag LRCP if you've got any questions relating to the world champs. 
um, before and after the race because we'll the races because we'll obviously be doing a a recap podcast of the world champs. Hope you will. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving thirty three percent with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a fifteen stem bunch of tulips for just nine ninety nine each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.